0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: This morning we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. We're going to be talking about unexpected life events. Now, unexpected life events can come in a variety of forms, whether it's a sudden job loss, whether it's that you or someone you love has gotten sick and all of a sudden that changes life, whether you have an unexpected divorce come your way or maybe you've lost someone that you love. So um, changes in life can happen uh, on a dime and there are some, some really shrewd things that you can do to prepare ahead of time for an unexpected life event, and then also some things that you're going to want to consider doing immediately following becoming aware of one. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is is um, the job loss. So let me tell you a little bit of a story about someone that we've worked with who was coping with unemployment. Um, We work with a lot of high-level executives and uh, doing their financial planning. And um, we had someone that we worked with who had a very good job. They were making, you know, well into the high six figures. Um, They had their future mapped out. They had a plan for their life. You know, they were settled in the community and uh, doing really well. And all of a sudden, things changed and their company wasn't doing so well. And they were laid off. So the company cut um, out a lot of the high-level executives in an effort to save money. And all of a sudden, this person's life was just turned upside down. And the thing about it is these things can pop up like a (laughs) jack-in-the-box. I mean, it's just out of nowhere sometimes. I hate those toys. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So um, when you're dealing with an unexpected life event like that, there are some important things that I think that you need to be aware of. The very first thing that you should do if you have an unexpected life event is to pull together your information and figure out where are you right now, okay? So you immediately need to harness your data. You immediately need to pull in your information because you can't figure out how to navigate through this unexpected life event until you first clarify exactly where you are.
2: And Mary, so that's the first step. And then right after that, you need to start figuring out what has to be done right now. And and that's starting a plan. Um, and mm-hmm. from the financial perspective, figuring out your budget is the absolute number one thing that you need to do. Um, you're, you could be fine. You could have a gap between what you need for money and what's coming in. Um, but you're not going to know that until you identify exactly what money is going to be going out. What are your fixed expenses? We talked multiple times in uh, other episodes about fixed versus variable expenses so what are those fixed bills your mortgage or your rent your um, car payments your electricity those things that have to be paid every single month that aren't really luxuries they're things that you have to have Um, what are those and is the money that's going to come in after this going to cover that and if not then you need to start making a plan.
1: Right. We kind of call this a survival budget. So especially if you're dealing with a job loss that's unexpected, you want to start with a list of all of your income and your expenses. Now, you might already have a budget that you can use as a base, but your survival budget should really be a bare bones version of your regular budget. It's only the things that are necessary. Because what you need to do when you have an unexpected change like a job loss is figure out how long can you live before things get really dire and really serious. Not trying to scare anybody, but that's why you need to immediately harness your information and figure out where are you so you can figure out where things are going to go in the future. And, you know, uh, losing a job is not the only thing that puts us into this, you know, um, oftentimes scary type of situation. If you became sick, Or if you were unexpectedly disabled, you're going to be right in the same position, right? You know, where you just don't have the same level of income coming in that you did before. So um, we worked with a client not too long ago who was the breadwinner in their family. Um, It was a married couple. They had a nice income, lived comfortably. And um, the husband was in a car accident and, and ended up becoming disabled. And the wife had been a homemaker. She hadn't worked in many, many years, so all of a sudden you had a situation where the income coming in had stopped, and now you had two people in the household who were not actually bringing in income, and you have a slew of medical bills that they were up against. So most definitely an unexpected life event. Um, The other thing that can happen, too, is if you have a sickness in your family, then sometimes if both spouses are working, you end up in a situation where one of the spouses has to leave a job or change their job to become a caregiver.
2: Yeah, and Mary, 70% of caregivers report making adjustments to their work schedules to accommodate the caregiving. And this can be, you know, caregiving for a spouse or caregiving, you know, we're seeing a lot of it nowadays parents or even children. Mm -hmm. Um, If someone in your close family uh, network has come down with a
1: serious illness. Right. So if someone's come down with an illness or someone has become disabled, again, you immediately need to plan. You immediately need to figure out what your survival budget is and, um, you know, look at where you're at. But the next thing I think that's so important for people to do is to develop a support network. So no matter what your unexpected change is, and regardless of whether it is a, a job loss or a sickness or a caregiving situation or a divorce, no matter what it is, it's so important to surround yourself with people who understand what you're going through.
2: Absolutely. So often people are uh, not wanting to talk about the things going on in their life because they're either embarrassed or ashamed mm-hmm. or, you know, just don't think that people care to know about it and don't want to burden people, but having that support group and, and reaching out to not, not necessarily everybody in the world, but um, reaching out to a close group of people that can help you can get you through some of those tough days or get, you know, they, I know I have friends in a heartbeat that if I said, Oh, all of a sudden my budget got really tight, they're going to be over watching a movie with me instead of going (laughs) out to a movie the way we may be used to. So uh, there's a lot of different ways people can support you. And uh, it's, very, very crucial to getting through those tough times.
1: What's so nice, too, is that there are so many good resources in just about any community that can help people with what they're going through. So if you're going through a situation where you're a caregiver for someone, let's say that your your spouse has started to deal with dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that, there is wonderful local resources in just about every community for um caregivers to help them through those type of illnesses. Um, if you're dealing with a uh, parental situation where you have parent care and your parents are reaching the ends of their life, there's wonderful resources through local hospice organizations that are, are going to help you understand your own emotional response as you're going through these life changes.
2: Absolutely. And
1: in addition to that, don't, don't forget the internet.
2: Um, It maybe sounds crazy, but I I have um, close relatives that were dealing with a very specific kind of cancer, and they found a lot of support in uh, groups and um, blogs online of people who dealt with that exact same cancer and that exact same treatment and the complications that kept coming even years after the treatment. So um, look locally and look online as well because it's a very large world nowadays.
1: I sometimes get a lot of questions about why we talk about this kind of stuff when we are on a show that is about money. And the reality of it is, is that anytime you have an unexpected life event, there are two big areas that you're going to deal with. And one is the financial side of it and one is the emotional side of it. And one side affects the other, no doubt about it. So even if you have all your financial ducks in a row and everything is peachy keen, you're still going to deal with the emotional fallout and that's going to impact your financial decisions. And if your finances are not in a row, then it's going to impact your emotional side of things. So you can't really talk about understanding how to navigate your way through an unexpected life event without discussing both the financial and the emotional side of it, I think.
2: Yeah. Also, if you get the financial side in line, it just gives you more time to to focus on the emotional healing and and the process
1: there. Absolutely. So one of the things that we've developed because we work with a lot of people as they go through unexpected life events um, is a planning toolkit. And um, it has some information in there about how to cope with unemployment or surviving a job loss. It has some great tools in there for you to help pull together your budget. So you know exactly what that survival budget needs to look like. And um, you can help we can help project how long the money that you have, your emergency money can help last, and then what kind of plan to put together to make sure that you um, you know have all of your ducks in a row. So if you'd like to get a copy of that planning toolkit, give us a call 6052173555 or you can go out to our website at stirkfinancialservices.com. We also have a seminar coming up that is talking about an unexpected life event. On July the 26th, we're having a seminar that is designed for people who are going through a divorce. It's to help you navigate your financial situation as you're going through it and to help make good decisions financially and emotionally as you're moving through that process. Um, and so if that's something that's interesting to you or if you know somebody in that situation, I think we all know people who are going through a divorce, then uh, send them to us to our seminar on July 26. And again, you can register online.
0: Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Sterk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists for six years running, including 2023 Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and 2023 Forbes Top Women Wealth Advisors Best in State, number one in South Dakota.
1: the things that um, I guess I personally think is that as as ugly as a situation of divorce can be, there are things you can do to navigate your way through it that maybe make it a little easier on yourself and people that you love and other people that maybe you once loved. And one of those things is called a collaborative divorce process. Kelsey actually is trained in the collaborative divorce process. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about what that even means.
2: You know, Mary, this is something that people rarely heard of and when I was doing mm-hmm. research on this topic it's it's not um it's it's slowly making its way to the northeast <laughs> corner of Iowa and uh, in South Dakota and Nebraska it's there's just not a lot of it but it's but a, nationwide it's catching on. it's nationwide it's a big mm-hmm. deal yeah and it's and it's catching on what like wildfire so as soon as somebody learns about it and hears about it and trains on it you just can't help but want to spread the word because it can be such a great thing now it isn't the right thing for everybody But it might be the right thing for you, so I think you should explore it. Um, So what is it? Collaborative divorce is a process that two people can go through. Uh, You have to make the decision very early on that you you might be interested in it. And uh, the process is that you decide you're going to do a collaborative divorce. Each person in the divorce, each party would have to hire an attorney that is trained in the collaborative divorce and there's a very um specific path that you would go down and and you would agree at that beginning stage to uh, a certain set of terms kind of kind of like a a game book of uh, we're not going to um, fight we're not going to call names we're not going to talk badly about the other person in front of our children and you set this this uh set of rules up um also Everything is 100% disclosed. So there's not, none of this stuff going on behind the scenes of I'll just hope they don't find out about that or we're not going to talk about this. And the whole idea is through having this set of rules and having lawyers trained and helping you to do this, you can get to the end result, which is dissolving your marriage and um, setting up a new family structure if you have children um, where the parents don't live together um, but setting all of that up and not having to go through the court system and battle it out. So a lot of people just grow apart and they just don't want to, uh, they don't think that they should be married any longer and they think it's better, but they don't necessarily need the knockdown, drag it out fight that a lot of times happens in the court system. The other thing is, is sometimes not all the time, but sometimes it can be less expensive because a lot of, of money goes into the court right, divorces. And exactly. so the
1: money goes to the attorneys paying, and to the courts. Mm-hmm, paying
2: for the, the court filings and the attorneys and the judges and um, the back and the forth and constant. And so um, collaboratively you come to an agreement. You come to a collaborative agreement on how assets will get split. Collaborative agreement on how custody will be handled. Um, and people have gone so far as to draw out guidelines for their future events for their kids. So the, how they'll handle graduations and weddings and things like that. And it can be a really great thing if you think you can stay on good enough terms to get through that process. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have a fight here and there, but usually you may, when you start going down the road of a fight, you would stop that process mm-hmm. and come back another day for another meeting. So um, in addition to the attorneys, there's um, financial professionals that can come in and help with the asset splitting um, part of this. There are child care professionals trained in this process as well that can come in and help align a custody arrangement. Um, because the typical things that are seen in in the court systems are a lot of times just the, the law of the land and not necessarily what makes sense for your family. And so you can customize this divorce process and and everything in it to be exactly what makes sense for you and your future ex-spouse and your children um, and not necessarily what a judge says has to happen.
1: You know, and I, I love listening to Kelsey about this. You can hear the, I guess, the don't want to say excitement in her voice, but you can hear in her voice that there's a way to take a process that is horrible, challenging, emotionally devastating, and oftentimes incredibly adversarial, and realign it into a a collaborative process where you leave everybody whole, you take care of the kids, you, you respect each other, and at the end of the day, you equitably split things. So if you have an unexpected life event happen like a divorce, that you weren't anticipating, the collaborative process is, is really a great way to move through it if both spouses agree to that. Now, if they don't, then that's a whole different story. Um, but the collaborative process, I think, is one of the things that people can do to, I guess, kind of mitigate the the horribleness of an unexpected life event like a divorce. Um One of the things, though, just like with job loss, just like if there's a sickness, is you do want to immediately look at your finances. So you want to gather your data together. You want to look at where the money flow is coming from. We have great budget tools to help people understand what's coming in, what's going out, what kind of expenses they're going to have for children in the future. Because you're really, especially in a divorce situation, you're going to have to know if you're going to need child support and alimony. You need to be able to prove out how much you need and why. So being able to gather that information together in this type of life event change is really important. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about is the unexpected life event. If if you have to deal with a death, and um, the death of a loved one, or especially the death of the spouse, is you know obviously something that ranks up there with one of of the of life's saddest challenges. And so, amidst the grief and amidst the major changes, there are some things that you do have to do because again, the financial impact of a life change has to be dealt with at some point in time. Um, We recently worked with someone who lost their husband, and this woman had never handled the money before. The husband had handled all of the investments, he'd handled the checkbook, he'd handled paying the bills, and she really just was having trouble even wrapping her arms around just the day-to-day bill paying. And so, you know, losing a spouse can run the gamut of there's bill paying that has to be done, there's investments that eventually have to, you know, be dealt with, and um, you're, you're doing that in the fog of your grief. And so it's it's really very difficult. But the best thing that you can do if you're dealing with a loss of somebody that you've loved is to just stop for a minute and take a breath and think about what has to be dealt with immediately and what can be dealt with a little ways down the road. You're going to want to.
2: Figure out, you know, those short-term goals or those short that short-term checklist. What, like Mary just said, has to be dealt with right now. And that's not the same thing of what has to be dealt with in the future. So after you lose a loved one that's close to you, a spouse, child, a parent, whatever, anything that might have a ma- major financial impact on you, um, figuring out, you know, prioritize. You don't have to deal with it all right now. Right. But you do have to deal with some of it right away. Um, and. and Dealing with those things is is step one. But then step two is life is going to go on and, and it's going to get further and further away from this event that happened. And you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself long term as well. Now, it might be figuring out how to make the money that you have last long term. It might be figuring out what you're going to do um, legacy wise that... Um, you're know, we're going to give money to charity, to children, to family, and there's an infinite number of ways that you can share the wealth that you don't end up spending. And um, whatever you do now, you want to make sure um, – it's helping you set up that that as well. So uh, sometimes people have a tendency to just forget about that, mm-hmm. but it, it's important because it's going to come. The future will come eventually and you'll need to have those long-term goals in place now.
1: I do want to just put a word of caution out there. If you've gone through a recent loss and if anybody is pushing you to make major long-term financial decisions too soon, that should be a red flag um, for you to back away from that person or that advisor because the reality is there are some short-term decisions you have to make, but those short-term decisions don't need to lock you into anything. You don't need to make a decision about selling your house immediately unless for some reason there's a, a you can't afford it. Maybe that would be the only reason to make a fast decision. Um, You don't need to make a long-term investment decision for all of your money right away following a loss. Take the time to uh, navigate your way through the emotional side of it and focus on the things that really matter. Paying your bills really matters. Getting income stream set up to support those bills really matters. Taking care of final expenses for your loved one really matters. Setting up your investments for the long term, that can wait for a little while. As long as they're in a good short-term liquid place, then some of those major decisions can wait. So I encourage people to um, immediately create the plan uh, for their short-term needs and then make sure they're comfortable with what can wait a while until they're more emotionally ready to deal with it. So we've talked about a lot of things today, but whether it's unemployment, sickness, a divorce, or death, the, the there is really some key points that remain for any of those. Number one is to immediately plan, gather your data, figure out what your day-to-day cash flow is going to look like. Look at that Budget that nasty B word that nobody really wants to look at um, and figure out where you are and how you're going to survive for a little while. Number two is to develop that support network. It's so important to get your surround yourself with people that understand what you're going through to develop that emotional support. And um, then lastly, consider your short and long-term goals so you can line up the financial support with that. It's going to marry the emotional and the financial side of an unexpected life event if you take those three steps. And I think it'll leave you feeling like you have a handle on things and that you're able to navigate this life event in a stronger way. If you'd like the planning toolkit that we talked about earlier, Give us a call, 605-217-3555. We'd be happy to send that to you. And uh, thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein.